0: How do you like my picture? You Albert Lombard? Yeah, what do you want? I have a subpoena here for you to appear before the grand jury. 15th of this month, 10 a.m., room 329, Dade County Municipal Building. You accept it? Yeah, yeah, here, look, I accept it, okay? I got it, I accept it. What else do you want? I want to congratulate you. You've been granted immunity from all prosecution. All you have to do is answer all our questions about Mr. Labrizi. Since you can't be prosecuted, you can't incriminate yourself. Since you can't incriminate yourself, you can't claim the fifth. Mr. Lombard, you're going to do some talking. Or you're going to do five years on all these contempt citations. Free Miami Vice!
1: Fast cars, flashy clothes, big money, heavy players, and the hot Miami scene.
2: These were the main ingredients that made Miami Vice one of the most innovative shows of the 1980s. Journey with Tim and Mark as we take a peek into the drama series with an MTV feel on the Vice of Miami podcast. Vice fans to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 23. We hope you enjoyed the last episode of Vice of Miami covering Evan. And we are now coming to the very last episode of season one of Miami Vice, which is Lombard. And I can't believe Mark that we've made it this far when we had the concept uh, well over a year ago. Uh, I didn't think that we were going to be able to get through everything, but as we tweak things We're and here. came up with and made a more solid script, we are definitely getting uh, positive feedback, emails or things in texting, oh, yeah. uh, everything like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, the big thing was connecting with one of the writers, Paul Diamond, who did Evan. But he said that when we do season two, he'll be he's more well versed with fill the show, which is about halfway through season two. So that's going to be great to get a little bit more of his input on that as
1: well. I agree with you, Tim. I can't believe we're here. I wanted to run before we could even crawl a little technical glitches here and there. Even this show where we, actually re-recording this intro here because of an issue but nevertheless we're here we hope you're enjoying everything actually we just passed a year from our intro episode we hope to do this for the whole duration for all five seasons so
2: yeah and it's fun to do re-watch something that we actually was part of our television history back in the early 80s
1: all right brings back lots of memories for sure and uh,
2: so with that Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and join Mark and Tim as we go over the final episode for Season 1, Episode 22 of Miami Vice,
1: Lombard. And this episode is written by Joel Cernow, and the teleplay is by David Asile. It's directed by John Nicolella, and the original air date is May 10th, 1985. And the plot summary for this episode... Crockett and Tubbs must protect a reluctant witness from his prior employer, the mafia family that wants to silence him.
2: And that music brings us to the guest stars and co-stars of this particular episode. First up, Mark, we have Dennis Farina as Al Lombard. Dennis was born February 29th, 1944 in Chicago, and he's an American actor. He actually worked for the Chicago police from 1967 to 1985. He then worked as a consultant for police roles from Michael Mann's early works. He made his film debut in Mann's Thief. Following his early film roles, Farina then moved to television with police detective dramas *Harcastle* & McCormick, Hunter, and Remington Steele. Mann brought Farina on for a guest appearance on his Miami Vice series as Al Lombard in the episode One-Eyed Jack. He returns in this episode to testify against a fellow mobster or be put in jail. Some other TV shows include Crime Story, which I am currently streaming and watching now, Law & Order, and as a host on Unsolved Mysteries. Some movie highlights include Manhunter, Midnight Run, and Get Shorty. Freena's final TV role was in two 2013 episodes of the series New Girl. He was married to Patricia from 1964 until 1985, and has three sons, Dennis, Michael, and Joseph, and six grandchildren. After his divorce, Freena was in a relationship with Marianne Cahill, who remained together until his 2013 death from a pulmonary embolism.
1: Next up, we have John Santucci returning, but this time as Charlie Fusco. In Golden Triangle episode, he played Dale Menton. But wait, there's more. He'll return later as another character.
2: And then we have Vito Rouginis as the process server born April 17, 1956 in Chicago. Vito is a Lithuanian-American actor. He made his film debut in the 1985 TV movie Charlotte Fortin's Mission, Experiment in Freedom. His movie debut came in 8 Million Ways to Die. Other movies include Jumpin' Jack Flash, Made in Heaven, The Insider. Other TV roles are Star Trek Next Generation, E.R., Saving Grace, Rizzoli and Isles, to name a few. We cannot find anything on his personal life.
1: Our next guest star is Ned Eisenberg as Federico Labrizzi, born January 13th, 1957. Ned, he recently passed away February 28th, 2022. He was born in New York City and he began his acting career in the movie The Exterminator. Other movies include Moving Violations, Primary Colors, Million Dollar Baby, Meadowland. TV shows include Law & Order. LA Law, NYPD Blue, and his final TV role was Adult Ed. He passed away from cancer and is survived by his wife Patricia and son Lino.
2: Next up, Mark, we have Michael DiLorenzo as Salvatore Lombard, born October 31st, 1965, in New York. Michael is an American actor. He made his film debut in the original 1980 movie Fame as well as for five seasons from 82 to 87 in the TV version. Not much could be found about Michael, but some other TV and movie roles include Head of Class, Fatal Beauty, Alive, A Few Good Men, and Blue Bloods.
1: And finally, we have John Bauman as Augie. Born September 14, 1947 in New York, he's an American actor, game show host, and musician but you may know him better as Bowser from Sha Na in the late 70s. After graduating magna cum laude from Columbia University, Bauman got into music and joined the nostalgia band Sha Na in 1970. The band Sha appeared in a syndicated music variety hour from 1977 to 1981. Bauman also appeared as a celebrity player in the game show's Match Game, Super Password, Password Plus, and co hosted the match game Hollywood Squares Hour. Bauman has been married to his wife, Mary, since 1978, and they have two children. And on a personal note, I actually met him at a Oktoberfest function at uh, the church I went to as a child in the mid-80s. He was really nice to me, and he was great to the crowd.
2: Very cool, Mark. Our only co-star listed for this episode is Peter Daniel Fonseca, as Lombard's bodyguard number one.
1: And music showing up in this episode. We have My Boy Lollipop by Millie Small. That's when Charlie, Fosco, and Labrizzi were in the ice cream shop. And Wire by U2. That's when Crockett and Tubbs are following Lombard.
2: Some Jan Hammer music showing up in this episode was One Way Out, which was throughout the the episode, and it was mostly scenes involving... Al Lombard, Lombard trial when there was an attempt on Lombard's life ending where the hitmen pursue Lombard. And turning point, where Crockett and Lombard talk in the courthouse after Lombard pleads the fifth. And now we come to our first goof. The amount of whipped cream in Labrizzi and Charlie's milkshake changes between shots.
1: The next one we have here is a location. The Hollywood Dog Track at 831 North Federal Highway in Hallandale. That's where Crockett and Tubbs meet Augie.
2: And we also have a fun fact. Although this is the only Lombard's second appearance on the show, he has been mentioned in passing in two intervening episodes, revealing that the Vice Unit has been actively investigating him for most of the season. Lombard would be the only villain in the series to have such a significant, overarching presence. Most other villains, even recurring ones, were never mentioned outside of the episodes in which they actually appeared.
1: And this next goof, during the truck attack, one of the dead bodies, a guy in a gray suit, is clearly moving out of the way to avoid getting run over when the truck goes through the roadblock. Okay, let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. In the last episode covering Evan, we asked, after Crockett and Tubbs end their friendship and are now just partners, Crockett goes to the club that Tubbs is in and asks to talk to him. What was Tubbs' response? Take a listen.
0: I need to talk to you. You know where my desk is. Office hours are from 9 to 5, partner.
2: And for this week's trivia question is, when Crockett and Tubbs were in the Labrizzi warehouse after it was torched, what was the title of a Rod Stewart song did Crockett say Lombard has? You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at buysomemiamishow at gmail.com. We will air some of the answers. This is for fun. No prizes.
1: All right. Now at our discussion part for this final episode for season one. Again, I can't believe we made it here. A few hiccups along the way. Uh, a lot of learning curve, but hey, we're here. So let's get right into it. All right, we are starting the episode uh, on Lombard's boat. Al Lombard and his son Salvatore, they're having a discussion about his choice of uh, school and career. And Lombard is clearly not happy with um, Sal's decision on what his major is. And it's obvious that um, the father and son here have major issues connecting, basically just being father and son. To me, it seems that Lombard is trying to be dad, albeit late in life, uh, rather than just his father. So, Sal, his son, is seeing right through the thinly veiled attempt. Uh, Meanwhile, Crockett and Tubbs, along with the process server, sneak aboard the yacht, which obviously was not secured very well. Lombard being a big man, so to speak, these guys just kind of sidle in there. Uh, He gets served a subpoena to testify against his adversary and new boss, Librizzi. At his trial in exchange for immunity from prosecution. And further to screw this up, Lombard can't take the fifth because of that immunity. Meaning Lombard's trapped. Because if he does take the fifth, he'll go to jail for contempt. And if he talks, well, he'll be sleeping with the fishes, so to speak. So later Lombard discusses his tele... Tilo- uh, his dilemma with his confidant, Charlie Fusco, uh, again, Santucci here returning in another role. And one thing, Tim, I thought, which was kind of odd, you've got Santucci here returning. And then, uh, Labrizzi, his character, his, his actor is, he's going to be returning. Why don't they keep these characters consistent? They're all different. Santucci is, I think, in three. And I think, um, Eisenberg recently passed away. I'm sorry. He's going to be returning in another episode. Why don't they keep them the same? What are your thoughts on it, Tim?
2: Are you talking about keeping them the same character? Because it would seem like that would flow a little bit better. It's kind of like Noogie and Izzy popping in and out of these episodes, but they play the same character other than Trini Lopez played a different character in the pilot episode that we saw. Yeah, I agree with you. It just seems... Kind of weird how, you know, especially if these guys were arrested or they were killed. How do you come back as a different character altogether, like being rose from the dead? So, yeah, you're right. It is a it is a little bit uh, a little bit kind of odd, we should say. But maybe we could uh, reach out to Paul and ask him his thoughts on why things like that happen with actors coming back as different different people. Just to see what he... Throw it out there, see what he has to say.
1: I agree. It, it gets kind of confusing a little bit. So anyway, Charlie Fusco is uh, Lombard's confidant here, and they're discussing his dilemma. Insisting uh, Lombard's insisting he'll never go against Labrizzi, and nothing like this would be a problem if Labrizzi's father were still in charge. Um, and I have a feeling that Fusco's already playing both sides of the fence here between Lombard and Labrizzi. He's kind of putting the feelers out there as to who's going to survive, basically. So anyway, he asks Charlie Fusco to go to Labrizzi to quell any fares that he's going to rat on. He was definitely playing both
2: ends against middle, but I think it's also a part of where can I get the best deal? You know, it's save every man for himself. He knows that Labrizzi is going to want to take out Lombard. It doesn't matter what Lombard tells him that I'm not going to rat on you. I've never done that. He can't have a problem around.
0: Labrici thinks you're going to blow the whistle on him. What, is he nuts or something? I never beefed on anybody in my life. Hey, you don't have to convince me. You know, I've been with you from way back. You've always been a stand-up guy. That's right, and I don't have to convince him either. Who the hell is that punk that I have to convince him? He ought to know better. And if he doesn't know better, Charlie, why haven't you told him? I have. What do you think I've been doing? I think when brains were being passed out, he was out to lunch, is what I think. it be a whole different ballgame if his old man was alive. Forget about his old man. You know, that's in the past. He's dead now. He should have never left this kid in charge.
2: So now we turn to, at OCB, uh, Castillo is talking about that he wants Lombard alive and puts Swiatek and Zito to tail him everywhere. And then it quickly segues into an ice cream parlor where Charlie and Labrizzi meet, and Charlie's trying to assure him, you know, Lombard won't talk. Labrizzi's not buying what he's selling, and he's feeling that Lombard won't hold true, and he can't deal with Labrizzi being Lombard's boss. Labrizzi offers Fusco Lombard's action in exchange for taking care of him. You could see Charlie's eyes light up, you know, you can see that he was just waiting for this. He was just chomping at the bit to make this happen. You know, Mark, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I agree. Uh, you can see uh, Charlie was definitely chomping at the bit here. When Labrici says take care of him, uh, Fusco shakes his head no first, and you can see his little nod yes, and then his eyes lighten up. So, yeah, he absolutely wants to take over for Lombard here.
0: Come on, my father's dead, and he thinks he's too smart to take orders from a dummy like me, right? <laughs>
1: Stomach.
0: Hey, this business of ours will make you an old man before you're tired. Yeah, it makes you rich pretty fast, too. <laughs> hey, listen. You think you can handle Lombard's action?
1: So anyway, Switek and Zito, they follow Lombard to a restaurant where he's discussing his plans. And you can see he's almost egging on anyone who may have bugged the place. I think he was talking into the flowers about their plans of what, what's going to go on. But anyway, when Lombard and his crew leaves, uh, some gun-toting people come up and uh, take shots at Lombard. And you could see Lombard pushes two other guys in front of him. Uh, He's hit on the shoulder, I believe, and he's taken to the hospital. And the male hitter is killed and shot by, I don't know if it was Swaytec or Zito or one of the bodyguards, but anyway, the male was uh, hit and killed, and the female shooter gets away.
2: Yes, she did get away, and I believe that Lombard was wearing a bulletproof vest and that, you know, it was because it was a, a, a quick shootout. They didn't get off, you know, a shot to the head or anything like that. So he just dodged a bullet. It's like he had a cat. He was a cat with nine lives in this episode, as we will see. So shortly after that, one of the warehouses is torched. It's possibly going to launch a mob war. We find out that Lombard is okay, out of surgery, and then we see Kraken... Tubs track Tubbs down Augie, who was a protege of Lombard, and he's been with him since he was 17. He tells Crockett and Tubbs that Lombard is better off outside of the country and that all of his friends are leaving him like the plague because Labrizzi has taken over. Basically, you stick with Al, you're going to go down too.
1: And next, Crockett and Tubbs, they go to check on Lombard at the hospital, uh, and they offer protective custody. And this was after Lombard chews out some guys, and I'm guessing for the lack of help on the attempted hit, I uh, didn't really specify, these were just two nondescript guys. But anyway, Lombard refuses the offer of protective custody, saying protective custody is just like jail. And then he checks himself out of the hospital. But before that, but before Lombard checks out, Fusco shows up and here's the offer that Crockett and Tubbs make of protective custody.
0: Oh, regular altar boy convention. What do you
2: want?
0: Hi, Al. Hey, we're not here to give anyone a hard time. We just came to tell you that we know your boys are pulling a Houdini act on you. Your organization's falling apart. You out to all alone, my man. You need our help. I need you, huh? Yeah. I pay guys ten times what you make to protect me. Get a refund. We want to put you under protective custody. Forget about it. We're all you got. I never ran from anybody or hid from anything in my life. Besides, protective custody is a jail cell by another name. In protective custody, you walk, talk, and breathe. On the street, you dog meat. Personally, I don't care whether you live or die. My job is to keep you alive. Your
2: choice. And as we know, he's already chomping at a bit. He's been offered a sweet deal to take over Lombard's action. So, of course, he gets that little tidbit. He's going to bring it back to his new boss. Then we return to... OCB where Castile asks Crockett and Tubbs what's up with Lombard. They say he's no going to protective custody and Tubbs thinks it's all up in the air. So it's just, this could go any way, any which way but loose. Castile says Vice will be there when Lombard is alone and vulnerable and he wants Crockett and Tubbs to be there if Lombard needs help, but Crockett is not thrilled
1: by the prospect of that. Oh, no, he's not. Just another babysitting job. So anyway, we're, I'm guessing we're moving along here to the parking garage of the hospital, which I thought was kind of odd. We're really going to do this, but we're assuming it's the parking garage of the hospital. So Lombard tries to get out of a Labrizi man who set him up. This guy tells Lombard to ask him, and he kind of points his face referring to Charlie. And this is before Lombard makes an example of him the old way. And has him shot. I think that it, uh, it seems that the gig is up with Fusco. Lombard seems to know that Fusco is trying to wiggle in into whatever position he can. And basically selling him out. As they leave this guy shot in the parking garage, Lombard orders Fusco to set up Labrizzi. And now we're on Lombard's boat here. Fusco calls Lombard at his yacht and he tells him that Labrizzi is set up. But he needs to get out of the country for a while because things didn't go as planned. And tells Lombard to meet him where they're building a bridge to pick up some papers. And this is where we see Crockett and Tubbs are tailing Lombard after he leaves his boat to go to this meetup. And this is supposed to be on Key Biscayne. And we're going to have a picture of this on our Facebook post. But this toll booth they go through to get to this bridge they're going to is the Rickenbacker Causeway Toll. To Key Biscayne. And one thing I thought was kind of odd, where they're tailing him, a, you could see a sign for 95, or 95 is right next to it, which is impossible. Key Biscayne is nowhere near 95. But anyways, if you know the area, it'll be interesting. So anyway, at the bridge site, Fusco actually plans to kill Lombard when Lombard hugs, hugs Fusco, and he smells a rat for sure. But and Tubbs take out Fusco first. Again, don't worry, Santucci's gonna be back in another episode or so. In another role.
0: Charlie Paisan,
1: you don't know how glad I am to have you
0: taking care of everything for me. Are all my papers in order? Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. It's all new, Al. Nobody move! Miami Vice!
2: Down on your face!
1: And then they take Lombard into protective custody. And then one thing I noticed on a Facebook post in a Miami Vice cage. They uh, somebody asked a question when before Lombard offs this guy in the parking garage that says ask him referring to Fusco. Why would Lombard go to meet Fusco at this bridge without protection before skipping town, knowing that Fusco was implicated?
2: You know, Mark, that was definitely something that confused me when he says ask him. I never understood why Lombard did not pursue that. You know, you know, just grab Fusco by the collar and say. What does he mean by that? And I mean, you would think he would have stopped right there in his tracks before he had that guy capped, and he would have played both of on them one end against the middle and see, obviously, that guy was going to die no matter what, but at least he could have maybe got him there rad a little bit further on, on Charlie. But it was definitely confusing. Like he said, I saw that Facebook post, and it's like, why would he not take extra precaution? You know, you're showing up there by yourself. Interesting. But then again, that's uh, they needed uh, Charlie to get taken out a little bit later by Crockett and Tubbs. And I would think that that was where Castillo was talking about. That's where he was most alone and vulnerable. Crockett and Tubbs come to the rescue. It appeared as if Lombard ditched him. But they came, killed Charlie. And now I think what Castillo was saying is, you know, we get him alone and vulnerable. Then he's beholden to us. So, So now we move on to an apartment complex. And this is where Lombard is now in protective custody. To me, it was a a dirtbag apartment complex surrounded by the cops. And it's, again, just like in Evan, the helicopter and all the squads and cops just sneak him in. Not going to attract attention, do you think? That's how they did it in this first season of Miami Vice. When he's all settled in, Lombard asked Tubbs to go and pick him up some ingredients for an old-fashioned vermicelli dinner. And after getting stuffed by Lombard's meal... He proceeds to tell the story about his mob life and his estrangement from his son, Sal. And I think, you know, he talked about there's always a price to be paid for this type of lifestyle. And then I think Tubbs said something else and
1: he about Sal. And he said, there's the price. Oh, there's always a price, especially in the mafia.
0: I got a stable full of boats, broads, cars. And I like all that stuff.
1: But you do pay a price
0: you got a kid in college, huh? That's the price. Close to your boy? You never really clicked. I used to tell him I was a stockbroker. Leave the house with the Wall Street Journal tucked under my shoulder. He could never figure out why he couldn't call me at work.
1: Nice. Not that I would know. I just watched The Sopranos. So anyway, um, he also told about working with Labrizzi's father and how he is really not too keen on uh, the kid Labrizzi. P- pretty much, they're talking. And then he tells how the trick he pulled uh, uh, in his casino making hot Turkish coffee so hot that it would still be in the cup when the player lost his money. I thought that was kind of funny. And then I noticed... When they first get to this scumbag, dirtbag apartment complex, when you first go there, Castillo told Zito and Switek to go on the rooftop. And then in the next scene that we're going to get to, they're on the roof, but you can see a second story window from a unit in the background there. Why didn't they just chill in there, and, you know, and then that could take notice of uh, Zero's male pattern baldness. Uh, Kraken tubs. they take Lombard out into the courtyard to stretch because, you know, got to work off that meal. At which time, a truck pulls into the complex, guns blazing, uh, and then while the shootout goes on, Lombard slips away. Imagine that.
0: I got to lose this gut. Stop eating. Listen, I'm a little stiff. Can't we go outside for a walk or something? Well, okay. We'll take him out in the courtyard. <sighs> Hey, you know, when this is all over, I'm gonna invite you guys on the yacht for a weekend. What a guy. Where's Lombard? Inside! Damn it!
1: Uh, And I'm assuming that uh, this is just a ruse to let Lombard sneak away, maybe? Or was it actually Lombard's plan anyways? Uh, But also, maybe it was Labritzi's guys, as Vice never tried to put the cops getting shot on Lombard.
2: Yeah, you know, Mark, if this was a ruse to let Lombard sneak away a price was paid by because there were a couple of cops that were killed in this gun battle. So not sure about that. Never explained. He wanted to go for a walk. They did that. So maybe that he, he, the timing was just there and maybe he knew they were coming in. Those are just things that are left unsaid. You know, now we turn, you know, they're like, Castillo's like, we got to find this guy. You know, Crockett gives us, look, the tubs and we find out that Lombard is visiting his son Sal, and I believe it's at college. And he's still angry with his father. Lombard wants to patch things up, and Sal wants him to testify to make amends and to be there for him. Uh, you know, he I want you as my father. Lombard said it's not an easy thing to do, but he, Sal says if he wants to do something, from stick around, be his father. Crockett and Tubbs find him and take him to the Saint Vitus dance, and this is where my question is because I don't believe. In the episode, the name of the college was mentioned. So how did Crockett and Tubbs know where to find him?
1: TV magic called the FBI. Hey, what what, what do you know about this family? So anyway, we are on the St. Vitus dance. And then Lombard will be going to the witness protection program, and he's getting his fares in order. Um, and they're kind of lamenting here, all three of them going back and forth. His testimony is the next day and is prepared. That night, Augie and Lombard's woman stop by for dinner. Then later, Crockett is taken in some fishing when Lombard stops by, tells Crockett they're a lot alike, and Crockett says, no, they're not alike because Crockett's never murdered people. And he hasn't forgotten about Barbara Carroll's death. Again, this is one of those magical things that Lombard is tied to. Uh, Lombard said her death caused a lot of heat, but he had nothing to do with it, and he's done a lot of bad things.
2: Yes, he has done a lot of bad things, and... Again, that's that price to be paid. So now we're at the courthouse and they get him there in time for his testimony and he is surrounded by the entire OCB team along with probably other cops from every which way and they're all dressed alike just to confuse whoever that might be trying to take him out. Uh, Again, I don't know if during that time there were a lot of metal detectors to keep stuff like that from happening. Then he takes a stand and as soon as he's questioned about Labrizzi, he takes the fifth on the grounds that he might incriminate himself, later telling Crockett that he would never rat on anybody because it's his code. And that angered his son, Sal, who ended up storming out of the courtroom. He gets his contempt of court citations, gets out on bond and leaves. And as he's pulling away in his car, you see another car with two guys in it and we we. Later, learn that they are gunmen on his heels. They whip their car around. The freeze frame leaves us to assume that Lombard gets whacked.
1: I would have to probably guess so, too.
2: Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God?
1: I do.
0: Be seated. State your name, please. Albert Lombard. What kind of work do you do? I'm a businessman. What kind of business? I own a few nightclubs, a couple other things. What other things? Construction company, trucking company. Do you know a man named Federico Librizzi? I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that my answer might tend to incriminate me. Let me repeat the question, Mr. Lombard. Do you know Federico Librizzi? Mr. Lombard, under the immunity agreement, you can be cited for contempt unless you answer the question now. Do you know Federico Librizzi? I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that my answer might tend to incriminate me. Three times they've tried to put you in a coffin and you've let them off the hook. Are you crazy or something? Listen, Crockett. It's not their code I have to live with. It's mine. I didn't rat Labrizzi out because I don't rat out on anybody. You got it? That's my code. And for better or for worse, that's how I've been and that's how I'll go out.
2: Yes, and... There's one other thing that I that I was thinking of we are we already put out our you know the trivia question for the episode. I also thought of one and we could use this as a bonus one if we want. When they first arrived in the apartment and they were talking about the Vermicelli dinner when he was asking Tubbs Go Get stuff, there was a clock in the background in another room. What time was it on the clock?
1: I saw that too. I saw that and I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna watch this. In the next few minutes to see if the clock actually moves, because sometimes it's just a fake, you know, with no batteries and it doesn't move to see if it was the same time. Let's say four hours later, three hours later. I know what you're talking about. So anyways, let's check the ratings for this episode. IMDB gives us an 8.3. Pretty solid, pretty solid. I give it a thumbs up. Great episode to wrap up season number one for Vice. It was rather simple. Basically, They didn't have to do nothing. They just babysat this guy. They didn't have to investigate. They didn't have to come up with causes and effects and everything that they typically do. It's just babysit. No investigation, no deal-making, nothing. Just babysit. Just sit on Lombard. Now, Lombard, however, those attempts on his life, like the Rat Fink Fusco and the kind of old dead mob boss that Lombard worked well with, that could have been another spinoff show. Um, I think Dennis probably could have been better as a bad guy other than... You know, his other series, Law & Order, whatever. That's just my thought. And Satucci returning as another character, he still was kind of a sniveling, conniving, weasel type guy. And Vice as a whole, wrapping up the first season, everything seems to be melding well with everybody involved. All the characters, all the cast.
2: Mark, I also give this episode a thumbs up as it was a great way to conclude the first season of Miami Vice. You know, it was pretty much straightforward assignment, like you said, keep Lombard alive so he could testify against his new arrogant boss, Labrizzi. But in typical mob fashion, we had the double-cross, multiple attempts on Lombard's life, and the refusal to rat out the family. Because of his lifestyle, Lombard lost out on a relationship with his son, and though it looked like he would make amends, disappointment reigned once again. We have come to the Powder Show where we hope to inspire or enlighten. This is Nerds Chalkboard of Wisdom. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts, a simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or funny clip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This show's words of wisdom come from Albert Toley when he said, Take your time healing as long as you want. Nobody else knows what you've been through. How could they know how long it would take to heal you?
1: And with that, we'd like to bring this episode and season number one of the Vice of Miami podcast to a close. Wait, maybe I want to try that again. The The Vice of Miami Miami Podcast. podcast. Tim and I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially the following people who've liked, commented, or shared our post. Apologies if we miss anybody on Facebook. First up, thanks for the email from Tyson Rutschman from the Podtendo podcast. I listened to a few episodes of theirs. Very good if you're into gaming. I'm not really into gaming, so I was confused a little bit. But nevertheless, they put on a good show. They emailed on how they, uh, how they like our show. So again, on Facebook, we have Mike Bark, Nick Bauer, Ivan Troja, Spencer Perry, Dan Dor. Thanks again for all your comments. And again, Paul Diamond, likewise.
2: On Instagram, we have Truth Pathing, Pete Vinyl 100, Mommy Vice OCB, Julia Holstrom, Miami Vice Art, and Menno112. We hope you enjoy what we have to offer in our shows. Please spread the word about us and comment and rate us on your podcast platforms. We'll see you next time for a Season 1 recap.
1: You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Vice of Miami Podcast. Or email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com.
2: Please rate us and comment on the episodes and spread the word about the show on YouTube, press the like button and hit the subscribe bell.